couple of road warriors meet in Harrisonburg Thursday night. Uh, JMU, ODU, big one in the Sun Belt, and two teams that have played really well on the road. Now JMU is at home, where for the most part they've played pretty well as well. But ODU just continues to win on the road, close games. It's a big one Thursday night. I think it's going to be a big crowd. I think it should be a lot of fun. I'm expecting. I think, you know, Noah and I are both going to be there. You're, you're coming on Thursday, right? Indeed, I'll be there. Yeah, so looking forward to the royal rivalry coming to Harrisonburg. Um, first time in a long time. JMU and ODU have played twice in one year. Duke's looking to continue a winning streak in the series. It's pretty much everything you could ask for for February college basketball game at JMU. Yes, very meaningful game. Two teams that play well on the road. Obviously, Jamie back home, ODU, continues their road trip. And, I mean, what, they had a buzzer beater to win their last game. So, obviously, Mm -hmm. they're coming in with some momentum. JMU, they got momentum on their side. They won three of their last four, and we'll see if they can, you know, uh, get things rolling here. Yeah, JMU's won three of their last four. Those were all on the road. Um, That started with a trip to Norfolk, um, beating (laughs) ODU there in front of a big big crowd. Um, Up to that point, that was the biggest Sun Belt regular season crowd for two Sunbelt teams in several years. Uh, I think Southern Miss and Louisiana Eclipse, last yeah. week ended up uh, passing that. Will we pass that again this weekend in Harrisonburg? I don't know. There depends on how the uh, walk up, be walk up crowd's going to be. I mean, I think we're, I think we're going to be just looking at what tickets are available. I would imagine it's going to be over 6,000 probably at least. Um, curious to see what kind of walk up crowd ends up being because uh, it seems like JMU had great crowds a few weeks ago, their last homestand. They can continue to build off of that. It should be a great atmosphere when the Monarchs come to town Thursday night. It shouldn't. I mean, this this just kicks off a really big stretch for JMU. You know, their last four at home, if, you know, three of them are teams that are either one game behind them or one game ahead of them. And I think, you know, that is going to be pretty big. Starts with ODU, who's, you know, eight and six in conference play, one game back. And then the next two are against two teams that are tied for second right now. So, Jim, you can really make some damage coming up this week, but obviously it starts with uh, with the Monarchs. Yeah, if you're, if you're a JMU official trying to uh, set this up to have you know sell a lot of tickets down the stretch, have a lot of interest, it could hardly have gone any better for you. You got you know rivalry games, ODU, Marshall coming in against teams that are also very close to JMU in the standings. Uh, ODU on the a game behind, Marshall a game ahead. Uh, you also got Louisiana, a team that's been in contention for the championship the entire year, only a game ahead of JMU. Um, Georgia State to close it out, which, you know, not a great Georgia State team right now, but if JMU takes care of business over these next three, that's a huge game for them, potentially, potentially locking up maybe even a number two seed in the Sun Belt Tournament. If they can sweep this homestand, I think if they, if they do, I think it would be it's in play, obviously, because then you'd have the tiebreaker over you know Louisiana and Marshall if you somehow end up yeah. tied with them. So I think you know it's big, it's big time to go. I think you know James, you you know buying team before they won this four game road trip the past two weeks, he kind of talked about how important it was to set them up for seeding purposes, and it, it went as probably as, almost as well as it could go. You know, winning three or four, he said he'll take that every day of the week, and you know I think now they see what. The positives of that are, which is basically they control their own path to the thing get as high number two. They can't get the number one seed, but they can get pretty close to it. Yeah, but as well as things have been going for JMU right now, 
um, been about the same for ODU. They've won three straight, five of the last six. The only loss in that time was the home loss to JMU. Uh, they've won their last four road games by a combined three, six, by a combined eight points. <laughs> they've been hitting free throws down the stretch. You mentioned the buzzer beater on Saturday against Texas State. Um, they've been making every play to win games down the stretch, with the exception of that JMU game where um, it was the Dukes who made the plays down the stretch as uh, ODU came within a point, I think, a couple times. Edward JMU led, led the entire way, but um, it was still a game at the end. If we see anything like what these teams have done in the past few weeks, everything's kind of building up to this being like, a nail biter against you know two schools that hate each other in Harrisonburg. I am really looking forward to being there tomorrow night just to just to experience the atmosphere. Yeah, it's really setting up to be a good game, good atmosphere as you said, and I think you know it's probably as well as Jamie could have drawn this up. So I think everyone's excited for it. Obviously, the ODU game, you know, Jamie had full control in the first half. ODU stormed back, made it a game, and then Jamie was able to close the door. So we'll see if that, that happens again. I don't know. I mean, it's a game of runs. These are two teams that are, you know, more than capable of doing it. It's going to just be a matter of which team shows up. Yeah. And <clears throat> we talk about JMU, which team shows up. They did that um, in Norfolk without Alonzo Sule and without Vado Morse, for the most part, who was injured in the first half of that game. Uh, Vado's been working his way back into the rotation Um last couple games um made some big shots in a loss at georgia southern was a little off at coastal carolina and a jmu victory um but probably the big thing is it sounds like the possibility of alonzo sule coming back which is one of the few times where um if he comes back that kind of gives jmu a little bit of a size advantage uh which they don't have against a lot of teams uh this isn't a particularly big odu team um they are physical underneath how big would that be to get Zoe back for this last stretch of four games? It'd be good. I mean, you know, obviously they, they hope to get him back, but it's not really certain yet. I guess you got to see how things go. But, it, you know, it, it helps let you take Messi off and let him play wherever he wants rather than, you know, having to split time with Julian Wooden kind of in the post as that, that big man. But other than that, I think it really helps everyone else, frees everyone else up, you know, lets him do what he, he does best, which is, you know, bang around in the post and, and you know, block shots and I think they get him back it's going to be good for these last four games heading into the conference tournament obviously they hope he's back now because when you, you, you give him some time to get going again before the, the tournament rolls around yeah um you know you look at you know JMU they've played really well on the perimeter and I know Mark Byington talked about this uh the other day during his press conference with us um that what they got right now is some size but you've got guys like um Mezia for um Julian Wooden, who would kind of rather catch the ball around the three-point line and then take it to the hole as opposed to post up. Um, you'll see him do it a little bit. And, and Alonzo's different. He, he gives them that you know post-up option. And like you said, he's also probably the best shot blocker on the team, something they haven't had a ton of. Um, so, yeah, I think that's even more so for the ODU game. I think when you get against uh, Louisiana and Marshall, those next two games, teams that have – Good size, um, some of shot blockers, really good rebounders of their own, guys who are 6'10 or taller. Um, I think getting Mezzi back will be pretty huge for down the stretch, let alone the conference tournament. 
yeah, I mean, Sule does a lot for them, and I think, you know, it'll, it'll be good. I mean, we'll see what happens. So he's played in this conference tournament many times. You know, you think he's won it. Um, so he's experienced. Yeah. He's, he's comfortable. And we'll see what happens. Obviously, a guy that they've missed for the last month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you talk about the men's team, who else has kind of stood out to you here recently? We've talked about, you know, because they're getting back. But is there anybody that's been, like, just kind of – Okay, this is the guy who's kind of carried them through their, you know, stretch here where they've played well and gotten themselves back into the mix for and it, it appears Southern Miss, unless they collapse, is gonna run away with this. But as we mentioned before, if JMU takes care of business themselves, they haven't broken down every single scenario, but if they go four and to close this out, it's hard to imagine them not getting the number two seed in the conference tournament. Yeah, I think it's pretty likely. I, you know, I don't know if it's really one player. I think you know they've they've had players that have stepped up and played well. I mean, we talk about Mezzi stepping up. We've talked about you know, you got a guy like Terrence Edwards who you know finds ways to make plays and things like that. And you, you know, Tyree Nacho's really made a big you know had to step up with with no trail Strickland and Adam Morse being you know banged up. So I think those three guys have definitely done well during this stretch. And I think you know when when if they get back to pretty much as close to full strength as they can at this point, um, then I think you know it's a really dangerous team. Yeah, and I've mentioned you know JMU, which sits in fourth right now with a eighteen and nine overall record, nine and five in conference. They're a game behind both Louisiana and Marshall, who are coming in. Uh, that puts them in fourth place right now. I've talked about them finishing second, but you can look at it the other way too. Uh, and ODU comes in here eight and six, just a game behind JMU. Um, Troy is also a game behind JMU, although JMU would have the tiebreaker against Troy. But I'm talking about them winning four games and climbing, climbing the the uh, standings. The flip side of that is if they lose a few of these, they could fall pretty fast out of that top four uh, seed, which is which is huge. It gives you a double buy in a tournament. Do you think that's something that um, like just how how concerned with that would you be if you were a JMU fan right now? that you know as well they've been playing uh if you're a jamie men's basketball fan just through the years of being stakeman a little bit i don't think you ever ever start counting on four victories before they happen yeah you know i think you don't really worry about that yet until you see what happens this week you kind of go from there i think you know you lose one game it is what it is but i don't know i don't think you freak out um, but I think you know you start to freak out if you lose two or three in a row because then then there's some trouble. But right now I don't I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah, it, it's just interesting to see where uh, you look at the standings and really anything from second to ninth is you know very much on the table depending on how they finish out here. Um, as tightly bunched as teams are with records between seven and seven, ten and four. Uh, four games to go. It should be a very exciting race, um, pretty much for anybody who watches Sunbelt basketball. Um, the majority of the teams have something to play for here down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's good. I think, you know, you like to see that, you know, things aren't locked up yet. A lot of movement can happen. I, I anticipate some movement definitely happening, and it'll be really, really, really crazy last two weeks of the year, obviously with next week switching to the Wednesday, Friday to close out the season. So, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be fun, though. Yeah, um, the Jamie men aren't the only ones playing big games this week. Uh, Jamie women, uh, very very similar situation where they're sitting in a tie for second right now. Um, and the teams that they're tied with happen to be Texas State and ODU on the women's side. 
Uh, and they play them this week on the road. Yeah. Uh, they've you know flown out to Texas. Um, I believe already left for Texas. Um, yeah, they're on the way. Yeah. To um, play the Bobcats, and then a charter flight to Norfolk for a Saturday game uh, with ODU. A couple of big ones in this uh, royal rivalry this weekend for both men's and women's basketball. Um, I know you, you were telling me before you went out and watched a little practice. You saw that. You talked to some players. Do you think they're ready for uh, what, you know, Sean O'Regan is, you know, his favorite t- kind of coach speak is that every game is the biggest game. Every, the next game is always the biggest game of the season. Yeah. But this is their biggest, you know, road trip. Like when you just break it down, like they they need to take care of business in this one. And if they do, they're going to be in uh, pretty solid shape. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're too worried. I think you know they're they're excited. They, they know they know it's on the line. You win each game. I think you know you, you solidify yourself at the top of the conference, right, with those two teams. Mm-hmm. So obviously, it's two big games. We'll see what we'll see. But I don't think they're too worried. I don't think you know it's a too too big of a moment. You know, we'll see what they can do and match up with the Texas State. I mean, they've already played ODU, so they know what they're getting out of that one. But it'll be really interesting to see what happens at Texas State. Um, and see you know really how they match up. And I think that's gonna be the biggest thing. You know, they're gonna he's talking about throwing different lineups out there and seeing what sticks and you yeah. see that. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, I think both of these programs would love to put another put twenty twenty three on the uh conference regular season championship banner over at the Atlantic Union Bank Center. But that's out of their hands to some degree. Uh Troy on the women's side, Southern Miss on the men's side would have to lose somewhere along the way to even kinda of open that possibility up but both are looking at the potential to get to number two seed yep with against in fields where right now anyway there is a clear number one and feels like it would just be absolutely huge to not only finish in the top four and get those double buys but also if you could get those number two seeds locked up and be opposite of troy on the women's side or southern miss on the men's side in the bracket that seems like it could be, it could be a big thing here, and something that this week is particularly critical for. Yeah, no, it could be really beneficial, and I think you know we'll see what happens. You know, we talk next week. I think we'll have a better picture of what's going on. But yeah, I think you know it's, it's you want to avoid the teams that. I mean, obviously, Jamie women played Troy pretty well. The men at Southern Miss, you know, they were shorthanded and things like that it didn't go too well. So obviously, you don't want to play them until the end. And I think if they can, if they can make that happen, then you know you. You kind of feel comfortable, or not comfortable. You kind of feel better about not really running into them, you know, in the semifinal or the or the quarterfinal if you end up falling really down the list. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you know, not to like knock or discount any of the other teams that are still in the mix on the women's side of things. Uh, whereas I mentioned, Jamie is obviously tied with the Texas State and ODU right now. But if you watched the Jamie Troy game here in Harrisonburg a few weeks ago. I don't think anybody who likes basketball could argue against wanting to see that rematch in the Sunbelt Championship game. Just this is a really good game. JMU came out on top at home. Uh, since then, Troy's like managed to repass them in the conference standings. Um, those are two, probably the two most tradition-rich programs in the new Sunbelt. Um, you know, not not that I'm a you know, cheering for anything one way or another. But, you know, there's got to be a party that's kind of like pulling for – that would be a really interesting, entertaining championship game. Uh, 
if you want to attract some eyeballs to the women's basketball side of things. Yeah, it'd be a really, really cool Monday, right? Monday? I think both championships are on in, in Pensacola, and I think, you know, that would be really cool to see, you know, happen. Obviously, a lot of games between now and then, but, you know, I definitely think you'll have a lot of guys watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, first, Jamie women, they have to go down to um, to San Marcos, Texas this weekend. And it, it's, Sean O'Regan talked about in his weekly press conference that Texas State, well, maybe like might be one of the Sunbelt teams that most resembles JMU personnel wise and uh you know just the, their overall strategy one thing they do have that kind of sets them apart is a dynamic for at the power forward Denisha hood who will play with her back to the basket she'll like to post up um can play a little bit more like a center but a six one can also kind of handle the ball go outside a little bit um and it's just a little bit different look than they've seen recently. Uh, you talked about uh, they played Arkansas State on Saturday, won that game fairly comfortably. But Arkansas State's a team that plays, you know, five out for the most part. Um, it's going to be a different look to see like a team that really plays like two traditional posts and gets a lot of their scoring from that four on the block. Yeah, you know, it presents a weird, a weird thing. But you know, Jamie hasn't seen yet, and so we'll see what they do. I mean, he talked about you know mixing up the lineup. He could put. Susha even at the five, at the four, if you wanted to, and you can really throw them off. But I think it's kind of one of those things we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what <laughs> sticks. And I think, you yeah. know, they'll figure it out during the game and make it work. But yeah, it's going to be definitely interesting. Yeah. I mean, do you have any idea, like, what they might do to kind of combat that? Like, I mean, he talked a little bit, like you said, they could they could go with a big lineup. Um, Susha Kozlova, Anna Goodman, both out there who have played mostly at the five this season. Uh, or they could go the opposite way and go small and like say, can you keep up with us? Or can you guard, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, Kobe King Hawaii who's got point guard skills <laughs> in some ways? Like, can you guard her around the three point line? Um, do you think we'll see more of one or the other when it all comes down to it? Or is it a matter of seeing what works early in the game? I think it's going to be a matter of what works early in the game and figure it out as it goes. Obviously there's probably something you prefer to roll with, but if one thing's not working, the other one is. Obviously, you know what you're going to do. If both things aren't working, then I think he's going to have to just figure it out and just, you know, move on. But um, I, I don't I don't know if, which way he's leaning quite yet. But, I mean, yeah. obviously, keep an eye on it during the game. I mean, if one way works, roll with it. Yeah. And I don't think this is, like, uh, Jamie's number one concern when they go down there uh, this week. But uh, something that I think fans pay attention to is uh, the player of the year race and – Right now, Kiki Jefferson's definitely in the mix for that uh, as the conference's leading scorer, second leading rebounder, uh, ranks high in several other categories. She does a little bit of everything. Um, but, you know, Taryn Ward from Georgia Southern is also in the mix there. She got the better of Kiki in their head-to-head matchup uh, most recently. Uh, and I would say Hood is probably a candidate for that. She's you know definitely like a first-team caliber type of player her numbers are also way up there scoring and rebounding um so that kind of head-to-head matchup just uh beyond the wins and losses which i know uh kiki sean everybody everybody around jmu would uh say that doesn't matter but then i've also seen uh people around jmu get extremely upset when (laughs) feeling like they got snubbed for a player of the year uh awards so 
I think that'll be interesting to see, you know, potentially Kiki going head to head at times with another tier one type player in this conference. Yeah, I think that'll be a really interesting keep thing to keep my eye on. I mean, we saw Taryn Ward, you know, came off the bench both times. George Southern played really well. God wins. Um, I think this one will be interesting because, you know, she's not going to be on the other side of their best player. So we'll see what happens. Two players on the court, though, two of the best in the conference. And, you know, I don't really, you know, really think they care about that right now. I mean, obviously, they probably care about it when it comes out, whenever, yeah. you know, in a couple of weeks. But for now, I think they're just more worried about winning games. And, and, you know, one thing that really points to that is Kiki Jefferson didn't throw a fit, you know, when, whenever you can took her out of the lineup for two games. She embraced it. She still dropped two double-doubles anyway. So I think, you know, she, she, she knows what she can do, and she'll just keep doing it. Yeah. I have to imagine um, getting to know both of them fairly well here over the past few years is that – that conversation took place and it was more like asking Kiki like what she thought about coming off the bench than like telling her she was coming off the bench and um, and that Kiki would be willing to do like anything to kind of shake things up uh, knowing she was going to get her 30 minutes regardless of if she started or not. Um, and, you know, maybe also sending a message to the whole team that, you know, any of us, any of us can find ourselves on the bench <laughs> if we're not uh, doing. Nobody's in touch. Yeah. And, you know, it's even like she played poorly to uh wind up there it was just a matter of kind of like shaking things up a little bit um but you know back to the you know the player of the year race a little bit um yeah i think she's probably still probably the the uh front runner for that but it all is always interesting to see when the players who are kind of you know the first team players that you can kind of count on making that first team go against each other. And Jamie's had a history down through the years of really winning those battles. They're, they're, back in the CAA days, there were times where, you know, basically the any player of the year candidate, like you said, joke with Sean O'Regan about this, like at times uh, that the convo was where player of the year candidacy came to die because they'd come in and just get completely shut down by Jamie. And there was like, definitely a little bit of a focus of like you know somebody else is going to beat us (laughs) and they've already had um some good players kind of go off on them this year it'll be interesting to see if there's like a little bit of motivation to say like somebody else is going to beat us as opposed to uh denisha hood yeah i think that can be a possibility i also think you know they just want to win games and i don't sometimes i don't they may focus on it yeah but other times i think it's more of just like you know you shut her down you win the game period Mm -hmm. and i think you know that's that's going to happen and I think that's kind of the focus. I don't really think they're looking at her. Well, you know, player of the year, this or that. I think it's more of like they just they that's that's you're gonna have to win the game. And I think you know, Georgia Southern's an example. They didn't shut down Taryn Ward. They lost both games. I think you know it's. it's I don't think it's a coincidence in that sense. Yeah, and you know, hit briefly on uh, heading down to ODU uh, team. Jamie beat um, at home. Uh, played a really good second half in that one, um, but like the men. Uh, the ODU women have played uh, extremely well since losing to JMU. Um, that game is going to be in Norfolk where, uh, you know, ODU leads the conference in attendance. It should be a pretty – JMU doesn't run into that kind of atmosphere on the road very often. Yeah. They've been playing in front of, you know, uh, more than 3,000 people at home here recently in some uh, recent games. Uh, good student crowds, uh, people getting pretty fired up. But they don't run into that on the road very often. And it's, um, you know – it's you know a mixed bag too when you play on the road and in, in women's basketball there's sometimes 
you know, you go on the road and there's only you, you count the crowd in the dozens as opposed yep. to the thousands. And it's hard to it's hard to get the energy. It feels like a pickup game and um, sometimes kind of how you play. Um, but then there's you know the flip side of that is it's a hostile crowd. Do you think that's something that uh, this particular JMU team will embrace as going to play in front of a hostile crowd? I think so. I think you, you kind of have to. And I think especially when you have this late in the year, it's probably a fun thing to play in front of because, you know, if you're on the road, you're quieting yeah. the crowd instead of making them louder. And I think, you know, I think they'll embrace that. And I think they, they like playing in front of big crowds at home. And I think it's just the flip side. You you, you have experience, you know, playing in front of a big crowd. So, you, you know, you're not going to be too thrown off by the amount of people in the crowd. And I think this time mm-hmm. they're just going to be more motivated to, to make them be quiet. Yeah. And it is interesting. I think we'll see this on – Saturday or sorry Thursday um when the men's game that was a huge crowd down in Norfolk when we went down there to cover the men yep. a while ago not as loud as you might expect for like having more than 7,000 yeah I mean you, you spend plenty of time in the Siegel Center uh, uh it gets much louder than that with a similar size crowd oh yeah, um, yeah and loud. and I think you know sort of the architecture of the building plus the uh the percentage of the crowd that happens to be students probably makes uh the Atlantic Union Bank Center even louder with um was even close to full yeah five six thousand it gets really loud in that building um so I think there'll be enough people down there for um to wake up JMU I guess maybe the way to say it you, you know the game started when it starts but um yeah. uh I don't know if it's necessarily going to be like the most intimidating atmosphere uh I mean, it'll be more than typical, but I don't know if it's anything that like didn't really, that'll really like get to them that much. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see just how uh, packed and loud it gets uh, here in Harrisonburg on Thursday for the men. Um, be very interesting to compare the two crowds because um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the largest crowds Jamie's played in front of this year, the two ODU games. Um, so interesting to see compare and contrast the two large crowds and two buildings in the state of Virginia um, happening, not quite the state of Virginia before we get going. Uh, but I know uh, Noah's got some Sunday plans. Uh, Jamie football fans pay attention to, and he'll have something cool to write later on uh, about XFL. XFL. Yes. Yeah, Super Bowl was last weekend, but football is uh, back, you know, after a week off. Um, yeah, the XFL. She got Ben DiNucci coming to town, going to D.C. to play against the D.C. Defenders. You know, he's with the Seattle Sea Dragons. So, cool names, cool names. Um, but uh, Liam Fornado is on the, the Defenders. You know, don't know if he's going to start for them. I mean, they've got nine offensive linemen on the roster. So, possibility he starts. I mean, Ben DiNucci seems to be the front runner at quarterback right now in Seattle. So, it'll be fun to see. And then you got John Daca, who's in Houston, who they play on Saturday night on ESPN, I believe. Sunday's game's on ESPN at 8 o'clock in NDC, so definitely a lot of TV to watch on this weekend. If you, if you need some football to watch, it'll be on. But, yeah, you know, it seems like it'll be interesting. And all these guys are, are trying to get back to the NFL. I'll have something tomorrow on John Thaka. But he one, one way he described it, he was like, I never played in junior college, but it, it's, I guess that's what it feels like to them. He says, everyone's trying to get back to the NFL, and it's the same way in junior college. Everyone's trying to get to Division One in whatever sport it is. So, We'll see what happens, but um, yeah, it seems like everyone's enjoying their time in the XFL so far. Yeah, you uh, you hit on my question, which is you know how these guys uh, feel about you know this opportunity. Like you said, they're trying to get to the NFL. Some of them trying to get back to the NFL. Um, 
You, you talked to Benanucci yet, or are you talking to him on Sunday? I'm talking to him on Sunday. So I've yeah. only talked to John. And, he, you know, one thing he did say, he was surprised at the level of talent there. You know, he, yeah. he going in, he thought it was not going to be that good. But he said there's some guys in the XFL who are better than probably – there's some guys he's seen that are starting in the NFL. You know, he's been with multiple teams. He, he's seen it up close. And he's surprised because everyone's there for a reason and everyone's trying to get out. So we'll see what happens. But starts on Saturday night or Saturday during the day. And then Sunday night is uh, Benanucci versus Liam. And we'll see what happens. But every week, Saturday and Sunday, they're, they're playing. I think there's some Friday and Mondays mixed in throughout the year. But mostly on Saturdays and Sundays, they're just taking over until uh, – there's really nothing else on TV. Yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising and it's not when you consider um, just you know the number of good football players that there are. Uh, NFL hasn't expanded aggressively in recent years. Population keeps getting better. People playing around the world. So yeah, a league like the XFL should have some really good players in it. And um, three guys that you know we've seen firsthand are you know capable of playing at that level. And uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. You know, Ben Danucci's always going to be a big name, big hero uh, around JMU, and be interesting to see if he gets himself another opportunity after uh, starting at one point for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's only one of two quarterbacks in the XFL who has NFL starting experience. Um, can't remember who the other one is off the top of my head. Uh, AJ McCann. Yeah. That's who it is. So you know, obviously that he, he's got the experience. You know, if they ball out. I think, you know, you'll see some of these guys get, get invites to camps and stuff over the summer. And so I think this is like a live audition. Some teams used the USFL last year as an example. And that happened a lot. I do think that the USFL, it, which is also coming back in April, I think that it's ten, it, it's not going to have as deep of a talent pool this year just because, you know, the XFL is able to pull some of these guys that are better. And, mm-hmm. you know, John Daku told me, like, hey, the USFL called him too. I was like, hey, you want to play with us? And, you know, he picked the XFL over them. So I think, I think there was a lot more of that just because – the guys liked what the XFL were offering. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be there Sunday, Sunday to uh, see, see the uh, debut there and um, can report back to us uh, next time we're in here talking. Heck yeah. And uh, we'll have also plenty of basketball talk about at that point as we hit the absolute home stretch for the uh, Sun Belt regular season. Hard to believe that we're down to that point, but uh, it'll be March Madness before we know it. That will be. And. In the meantime, I guess we'll go ahead and sign off. You've been listening to the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record, uh, where we always talk JMU sports. I'm Shane Metlin, been here with Noah Fleischman, and thank you for listening.